You know the drill by now. Our Patreon besties heard this episode first. You can get early access to episodes as well if you become a Patreon bestie by clicking that link in the show notes. Patreon besties get a monthly bonus episode, a shout out in an episode, priority for case recommendations, and again, one day early access to episodes. We'll see you on the Patreon. Hey, I'm Paige. And I'm Natalie. We're the hosts of the Murder Diaries podcast. We bonded over tacos and true crime after we matched on Bumble BFF. You know, like any normal millennial using an app to meet new friends. Every Thursday, we upload a new episode. In each episode of The Murder Diaries, we tell true crime one story at a time. One week, it's my turn. And the next week, it's mine. According to the National Coalition Against Domestic Violence, nearly half of all female homicide victims are killed by a current or former intimate partner. Meng Chi Ji is one of those victims. This is her story. You still think it's in my head, but I'm walking with the dead. Meng Chi Ji was born in Xi'an, China in 1991, a large city in central China known for its historical significance and touted as one of China's most popular tourist destinations. But for the Ji family, it was simply home. Even though Meng Chi was born under China's one-child policy, according to the Ji family lawyer Amy Saladay, her parents, quote, only ever wanted one child because they wanted to be able to give her all their love. So they did. And it seems the three members of the Ji family had great admiration and respect for one another. Mom, Dad, and Meng Chi were close. But Meng Chi had a particularly special bond with her mother, Kay Ren, and made a point to speak with her every day, even when she moved 14 hours away for her bachelor's degree and halfway around the world as an adult to pursue her master's degree in the United States. Meng Chi's family describes her as independent, intelligent, and so very creative. The Columbia Daily Tribune reports that Meng Chi had an aptitude for the English language, which she was required to learn as an elementary student. She practiced calligraphy, photography, singing, and even the air who, a two-stringed bowed instrument. But painting was perhaps her most beloved creative outlet, getting her practice at the ripe age of five. She pursued this passion throughout her life up until the time of her death in 2019. Meng Chi's paintings allowed admirers a peek into her soul, while simultaneously acting as a beautiful reminder of a life lost too soon. Sentiments True North of Columbia, a nonprofit providing services to individuals experiencing domestic violence, seems to agree with. Because as the Columbia Daily Tribune reports, there were plans for Meng Chi's paintings to be included in a fundraiser for the nonprofit prior to the COVID-19 pandemic. Even as a child attending summer camp, Meng Chi always had a sense of independence. So it was no surprise to her parents when it came time for college and she chose to study engineering at East China University of Science and Technology in Shanghai, which is 862 miles from the only place she'd ever called home. Then when she'd completed her bachelor's, she stretched her wings once more, moving even farther from her home and her family, this time to another country entirely, the United States. Columbia, Missouri, to be exact. Here, she attended the University of Missouri as part of an exchange program. She bonded with other students in the program, 
making living arrangements for her and six other students to live near campus while earning her master's degree in mechanical and aerospace engineering, a degree she completed in December of 2014. The following year, while working as a materials engineer at Nanova, a company specializing in the making of dental products, Meng Chi's life would change forever. Because it's here she met Joseph Elledge, who worked at the company part-time as an intern. They didn't start dating immediately because she was his supervisor, but they eventually began dating in 2016. What was this relationship like? Although no one truly knows what goes on behind closed doors, details from AP News' coverage of the case make it seem like things were going well at this time for the couple. They talked about a future with one another, dreaming of having three to five children who'd grow up with a keen understanding of both Chinese and U.S. cultures. They even traveled to China for Joseph to meet Meng Chi's parents. While there, he asked for their permission to marry their daughter. The answer must have been yes, because Joseph proposed to Meng Chi at the Rockbridge State Park, not far from the apartment complex they'd end up moving into. There's a photo of the proposal where Joseph is on bended knee holding the ring out to Meng Chi as she stands on a huge rock. Both of them are smiling ear to ear. The couple later tied the knot on September 22nd, 2017. Their first and only child, a daughter named Anna, was born on October 3rd, 2018. And while nothing matched the joy of motherhood from Meng Chi, she'd had an extremely difficult birth, making those early days even harder for the first-time mom. Her parents flew to the United States to meet their granddaughter and ended up staying for quite some time to aid in Meng Chi's recovery and to help with the baby. Meng Chi's mom would later tell the family lawyer, Amy Saladay, that she and her husband want people to know what a, quote, wonderful mother Meng Chi was. And it was always Meng Chi's priority. Her life now revolved around her little girl, and she wouldn't want it any other way. Meng Chi shared her plans to be a stay-at-home mom with her parents. This was possible due to Meng Chi's frugality, even though things occasionally got tight financially due to Joseph working on his master's at the University of Missouri at this time. Meng Chi was determined to make it work, though. Earning extra money as a translator threw up work to make it happen. She hoped to continue staying home until Anna was old enough for preschool or kindergarten. Meng Chi truly sounds like such a wonderful mother, and it's so sweet and endearing to hear her parents' compliments as well. What was the living situation like while her parents were there? I'm glad you're bringing this up because the living situation seems to be a point of contention for Joseph and Meng Chi and could in fact be considered the catalyst for the marriage souring. Meng Chi's parents actually moved in with the new family while they helped out. Everyone was pretty much on top of each other and there was no privacy because space was limited. It's a small apartment. Still, things were never great, but they were going pretty good until they weren't. AP News reports that Joseph, quote, initially got along well with Meng Chi's parents. However, it wasn't long until Joseph grew resentful of his wife's parents' involvement in Anna's upbringing. Tensions began to rise when the new grandparents began to, quote, butt in and take over, as Joseph puts it. Furthermore, the Ji family only communicated in Chinese, making Joseph feel, in his words, quote, isolated, and as if he were being, quote, pushed out of his own home. But I'd like to point out in the Ji family's defense that, Chinese is their primary language, and while they may know some English, it's not as comprehensive for them. YouTuber Rachel Shannon describes an evening in late October 2018 when things came to a head as Meng Chi's mom, Kay Ren, 
is in the kitchen using a cutting board. The details surrounding this event are scarce, but it seems that for whatever reason, Karen using that cutting board angered Joseph, who demanded that she leave the apartment and never return. And she did just that. Meng Chi's parents returned to China following Joseph's blow-up and hadn't visited since. However, Meng Chi and her mom continued to speak every single day and eventually fell into a routine of a daily phone call at 3 p.m. It sounds like for Meng Chi and her mom, everything remained the way it was. But what about for Meng Chi and Joseph? The couple's relationship never recovered. Instead, becoming tumultuous and full of mental and verbal abuse. Joseph now directed his rage at Meng Chi, who had secretly recorded arguments between the couple on October 29th and 30th of 2018. And it's clear that Joseph was cruel in his interactions with his wife. I can't play the clips for you because there was no way to legally access the audio for this episode. But here's the gist. He criticized her appearance, telling her not to eat so much, despite the fact that she wasn't even a month postpartum and was breastfeeding their child. He called out her supposed lack of kindness and labeled her a poor mother. On top of the aforementioned comments, he said the following verbatim, which is difficult to even read. Quote, do you want me to fucking break shit? Do you want me to hurt somebody? You know how I conquer nature. I fucking kill it. I grab its head, break its neck. That's how you conquer nature. Yeah, I'm trying to be sophisticated, trying to help you guys. Yeah, I'm not going to live with you very well. You're being very unsophisticated. You're being like the natural evil bitches. Seriously, you think you're so empowered because of this society? Well, don't forget that nature exists. You're still just a woman and there's nature in that. There's nature in your brain. You're poking the bull. Don't poke the bull. Unfortunately, it got worse than that. Joseph also secretly recorded their fights between the months of May and August 2019. In total, there are around 12 recordings that add up to 16 hours of heated discussion and yelling matches. Again, I don't have the audio for you, but I'll tell you about what was said. On more than one occasion, Meng Chi stated that Joseph didn't care about her feelings. Meanwhile, Joseph would complain about how he's miserable and that Meng Chi was doing, quote, anything possible for him to hit her. At one point, even telling her, quote, I'm ready to be done talking to you forever. He also made it known he couldn't wait to get a divorce while spinning vicious lies about Anna being taken from Meng Chi if she were deported after the divorce. He then taunted Meng Chi with the phrase, quote, go back to China. In some of the recordings, Joseph's mother, Jean, can be heard trying to help the young couple by giving marital advice. It sounds like Joseph was really unhinged at this time. Why was he being so cruel to Meng Chi? Honestly, your guess is as good as mine. There were things going on at the time, but nothing merits the way he treated Meng Chi, his wife, the woman he vowed to love for all of his life. There's absolutely no justifying it. Let's talk more about what was going on in their household. Throughout the summer of 2019, tension continued to mount. Joseph had an internship at a home furnishing manufacturer in Carthage, Missouri, 232 miles or a four-hour car ride from Columbia, Missouri. There was no feasible way for Joseph to commute to and from the internship. And it didn't make sense for them to terminate the lease at their current apartment because Joseph would be continuing his classes back on campus in the fall. 
So the only logical solution was to get a second apartment in Carthage, resulting in the couple's living expenses doubling almost overnight. Their finances weren't the only aspect of the marriage affected. Joseph claims that they became less and less intimate with one another at this time, causing him to consider divorce, something his online search history confirms. That's as far as the prospect of divorce went, though, because he never consulted an attorney. Instead, Meng Chi and Joseph came to the conclusion that they wanted to work on their marriage. Which brings us to October 10th, 2019. It's 3.30 p.m. when Joseph calls 911 to report Meng Chi missing. He tells the dispatcher on the other end, quote, I woke up and my wife was gone. She left her wedding ring in her car. He goes on to explain that she's been missing for a few days as he describes how it unfolded. He woke up at five o'clock in the morning to one-year-old Anna crying. When he looked around the apartment, he realized Meng Chi was nowhere to be found. At first, he's not concerned seeing her pajamas from the night before on the floor in the bedroom. He just assumes that she left to run errands despite the fact that her car was in its spot in the parking lot. My red flags are going off, and I'm questioning why weren't Joseph's? He assumed she got a ride from someone else, a friend. A detective is assigned to the case immediately and reaches out to Joseph. And the audio from the actual conversation was recorded on the officer's body cam as they talk on the phone. I couldn't get that audio either, but I transcribed the dialogue. Here's what they had to say with page reading for Joseph. Does she work anywhere? No, she's a stay-at-home mom. Okay, has she ever done this before? No, no, not like this. So you don't have any way to get a hold of her, do you? Well, she doesn't have her phone with her, and she didn't bring her iPad either, and her computer's also here. So all she took was her purse? Yeah. In the body cam footage that appears in Palazan's coverage of the case, there's a cut here before the footage picks back up with Joseph explaining that since their daughter was born, Meng Chi changed. In the past couple of weeks, she was out for an extended amount of time. Like, she went to the store once and it took her four hours. Are you guys having issues with your marriage? We argue, but if we fast forward until the past couple months, she really began, like, ignoring me a lot. Investigators focus their efforts on the night before Meng Chi's disappearance. They want to know what happened. What could have made Meng Chi leave without a trace? Joseph describes his wife as irritable on the night prior to her disappearance because he hadn't helped her sign up Anna for Medicaid, resulting in an argument and Meng Chi storming off to the bedroom. He found her speaking to her mother on the phone and waited for her to end the call so he could apologize. But Joseph says she was still mad. He watched YouTube videos in the living room and returned to the bedroom around 11.30 to find Meng Chi asleep. And like he said in the 911 call, when he woke up, she was gone. He reaches out to her friends, family, etc., but nobody has heard from her. Detectives begin to wonder if she may have left Missouri altogether and headed for China knowing her parents are there. As investigators follow leads, Joseph remains at home with Anna, occasionally giving interviews about the situation to local press. There's one particular interview that took place right after Meng Chi's disappearance that I'm going to play for you right now. Yeah, I really didn't know where she could have gone. Um... She was supposed to meet somebody in the morning, and I didn't know who else she was going to meet, what else she was going to do. It was really weird that she didn't take her phone and everything like that, but I don't know, all that stuff. So, so of course, I wasn't able to contact her, and even though I tried at the end of the night, but I just don't know. I really don't know. Um, um, now, as far as her family, how's her family doing? We saw them today. 
Uh, her her mom and dad, you mean? Or, mm-hmm. uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure they. I'm sure her family is just as scared as, and you know, scared and worried as I am, and as my mom is, and as my family. And I totally understand that they're they're sad and they're angry, and so am I. And you know, I wish I could just go out and be interrogating people all day and all night, but I think that's something that you know the cops are going to do. And I'm, I'm, you know, I think they're doing it really well. They're going to find her. I know. So. You said anger. Where does that anger come from? Do you think? I don't know. Just just the fact that she's missing and that nobody knows anything. It's just the the absence of knowledge really kind of makes you. It just makes you want to know, and there's just no way to know. <laughs> if you had anything, if she's watching this, what do you want her to know? Uh, if she's watching, I I want her to know that I love her and that. Anna loves her too. Anna needs to see her mom. She she really needs to see her mom. And Anna's growing up really well and she's learning to wave and she's learning to talk. So I think I think she'd be really happy if she came back here. And, and I I can try and be a better husband. I I don't know if I if I didn't talk enough to her, give her enough hugs or what, but I'll give her ten times as much as what I did before. So as far as you saying that she was distant in maybe the last few months, was she like that when you met her, or was that just a change? That was just a change, and it, I don't know where it came from, really. Um, she kind of started being distant at the beginning of the summer. I, You know, I'd give her kisses, and I'd give her hugs, and she wouldn't kiss me back, and she wouldn't hug me back, and she didn't want to hold my hand and stuff, but, you know, I, I think she kind of tried to sometimes. I don't know if she was just too busy or, or worried about whatever worried about Anna and but I don't know why she didn't want to keep keep love alive with me I I tried but uh yeah I I really don't know where any of that came from and um I think she was just confused and I I am too I think if we talked though we could we could really work stuff out do you think uh do you have any ideas to where she'd be I have absolutely no idea where she might be. It's just all so strange. She just disappeared. I don't know. I just really don't know. She hasn't contacted anybody. She talked to her mom, I think, probably two or three times every single day. And the fact that she hasn't heard from her really worries me. It's very surprising. I, I yeah. just, it's just hard to think about what's going on. I can't help but notice in that clip that he keeps referring to Meng Chi in the past tense. You're not the only one who noticed either. A lot of people, Meng Chi's loved ones, citizen sleuths, and law enforcement caught Joseph's use of the past tense in reference to Meng Chi. Let's put a pin in that though. This topic will pop up again in a minute. A witness came forward on October 18th, alerting authorities that Meng Chi confided in them that she suspected Joseph was physically abusing Anna. According to the source, Joseph promised Meng Chi that it'd never happen again, which is the reason authorities were never alerted at the time. It didn't take long for detectives to get a warrant to search the G. Elledge apartment for evidence of the alleged child abuse. They confiscated Meng Chi's iPad, which included an email Meng Chi sent herself containing photos and videos of Anna's purple and yellow bruised butt and legs dated February 12th, 2019. Those photos and videos weren't the only objects of concern found during the search. 
Investigators found a 51-page journal filled with complaints about Meng Chi written by Joseph. He described her as demanding, indifferent to his feelings, and secretive. He ranted about her speaking Chinese in their home, even though he couldn't understand the language. Going so far as to detail why he only wanted Anna to speak English, writing, quote, To Meng Chi, the only important thing is that Anna learns Chinese, which is selfish and leads to her mentally abusing Anna. Unquote. He also wrote himself instructions on how to discuss Meng Chi in the media. Here are three of these instructions. One, he should refuse to respond to speculation. Two, that the public will only respond to sadness and sorrow. And three, he specifically urges himself not to use past tense when referencing Meng Chi. I at least know for that last one, not referencing her in past tense. Well, he did that anyways. Right, he let quite a few slip into his statement. A week later, Joseph was arrested, taken into custody, and placed into the Boone County Jail on child abuse and child endangerment charges, but not before attempting to flee the area. In a taxi with his mother and Anna, under the guise of putting up missing persons flyers in Kansas City. After her father's arrest, Anna was left in her grandmother Jean's care. Investigators become more and more suspicious of Joseph's guilt, especially when they learn of the couple's tumultuous relationship and that Meng Chi hadn't accessed any of her bank accounts or contacted loved ones about her whereabouts in the days and weeks since her disappearance. She'd simply fallen off the face of the earth. It's only a few days after his arrest that Joseph officially becomes the primary suspect in Meng Chi's disappearance and presumed murder, causing law enforcement to shift gears from handling it as a missing persons case to a homicide investigation. The G's flying to the United States shortly after learning this news, only to find out that Joseph's mother, Anna's other grandmother, has secretly begun a petition for sole custody of Anna. Meng Chi's family counter and are eventually awarded split custody with Joseph's mom, Jean. Despite his new status as primary suspect, Joseph stuck to his original story. He woke up the day after an argument and Meng Chi was gone. Those investigating didn't buy what Joseph was selling, though. Local publications report that when authorities pulled his cell phone records, they noticed that Joseph spent approximately 45 minutes at a Cooper County bridge over the Lamine River. The search lasted months and included a number of different specialty teams, divers, sonar, police dogs. A levee was even constructed in order to get better access to certain areas of the river. Each and every one of these efforts was unsuccessful. There was still no sign of Meng Chi Ji. By February 28, 2020, three and a half months after Meng Chi's disappearance, Joseph Elledge is charged with her murder, even though they hadn't found her body. Search efforts continued, but it'd be 13 more months before there was a break in the case. When a hiker journeying through a secluded area of the Rockbridge Memorial State Park made a grisly discovery. Human remains in a shallow grave. He notified authorities who arrived on scene immediately and found some additional evidence pointing to the individual's identity, Meng Chi's driver's license, a bank card, her purse, and clothing thought to be hers were found not far from the burial site. Dental records confirmed the Ji family's worst nightmare. The body found was in fact their daughter, Meng Chi. The body's level of decomposition made it tough for the medical examiner to determine Meng Chi's manner of death but it wasn't impossible. The ME eventually concluded the manner of death to be homicide, citing multiple injuries consistent with blunt force trauma 
including three fractured ribs in sequential order. Ultimately, the ME determined a subdural hematoma from trauma to the head to be the cause of death. Joseph misled the police and Mengchi's family for months with his lies about the events surrounding his wife's disappearance. And only when Joseph took the stand during his November 2021 trial did they learn what really happened. So what did happen? According to Joseph's testimony on October 3rd, 2019, he discovered Mengchi had begun an emotional affair with a man named Zhao Zhao she met through WeChat, a China-based messaging service. Except he didn't confront her about the sexual messages until five days later, on October 8th. When he did, an argument broke out. Joseph claims he grabbed Anna intending to leave the apartment when Mengchi pushed him. He's well over a foot taller than her and 40 pounds heavier than her. She's tiny, barely at five feet and 100 pounds, so it didn't do much except anger him further. He retaliated by shoving her into kitchen cabinets. Different resources report that he pushed her once while others say twice. Whatever the case, she fell and hit her head. He told the court, quote, I helped her up and she was still angry. I took her to the couch and she told me to just leave without Anna. Joseph explains he did as he was told, leaving for a walk and staying away for about 45 minutes before returning to find his wife in bed asleep. He too went to bed only to be awoken at five the next morning by Anna's cries. When he finished checking on his daughter, he returned to find his wife, quote, unresponsive and cold to the touch, according to AP News. If that's the case, why wouldn't he have called the police right then and there? Tell me what happened after that. That's the same question prosecutors asked Joseph on the stand. He explains that the scene was unusual and, quote, my mind was going 100 miles an hour. I knew people would suspect me. A decision he now sees as, quote, stupid. So instead of calling authorities, he stuffed Mengchi's body into the trunk of her car, strapped Anna into her car seat, and drove to different nearby cities, including Jefferson City, Fulton, Ashland, and Guthrie, per AP News' reporting, which, as we know, checks out with his cell phone records. But it doesn't explain what he was doing, traveling to surrounding cities he'd never visited before. Turns out, Joseph couldn't figure out what to do. He then heads back to the apartment to figure out what he should do and leaves Mengchi's body in the trunk. Joseph explains, quote, I was panicked. I wasn't thinking at all, really. The following day, October 9th, 2019, Kay Ren calls her daughter, but it goes unanswered. She waits a few hours, but her worry grows as her mother's intuition screams that something isn't right. Remember, this is a very close mother-daughter duo. They talk to each other at the same time every day. Columbia Daily Tribune reports that Karen knew, quote, something must have happened to her daughter. This has got to be mother's intuition because nobody officially knew she was missing yet, right? Correct. In fact, Joseph lied to Karen and one of Mengchi's friends about her whereabouts when they inquired about why they couldn't get in touch with her. Joseph later reasoned that he didn't know how to explain what had transpired. Court documents state that the news of Mengchi's disappearance gets out when one of her friends visits the apartment on October 10th at the behest of Mengchi's mother. The friend video chats Kay Ren while at the apartment, forcing Joseph to give them answers regarding Mengchi's whereabouts. And this is the first time he tells someone she's disappeared. The friend eventually leaves and Joseph conducts half-hearted search efforts by texting a handful of his wife's friends which obviously was done for appearances because 
He's the one and only person who knows exactly where Mengchi is. Joseph's running out of time and opportunities to conceal Mengchi's body, which was still in the trunk of her silver sedan. Multiple resources report that Joseph then strapped Anna into her car seat once again and drove five miles south to Rockbridge State Park, a place that held special memories for the couple. That's where they got engaged. Right, a half a mile from the burial site. He digs a grave 30 feet from the road and would later testify that the entire process took no more than 30 minutes. His cell phone records support this claim. While the shoes he was wearing at the time of the burial had some vegetation underneath that matched where he buried Mengchi's body, Joseph pleaded not guilty to first-degree murder, claiming Mengchi's death was accidental. The jury ultimately found him guilty of second-degree murder, and he was sentenced to 28 years in prison, the maximum sentence. Newsweek reports there's possibility of parole. However, Joseph must serve at least 85% of his sentence before becoming eligible. Not long after his murder conviction, Joseph pled guilty to child abuse, child endangerment, and domestic assault. He received a consecutive 10-year sentence with credit for time served. Through their attorney, Amy Saladay, the G's released the following statement, quote, her husband received one year for every year of her life. This doesn't bring her back. It doesn't make the nightmare of waking up every day and not being able to talk or see your child go away but it is justice in terms of what the American court system can provide. If you or anyone you know is experiencing domestic violence, please call or text 888-774-2900 or email ctsafeconnect.org. Their services are available 24-7, 365. Until then, stay safe. Bye. Bye. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the Roaring Twenties. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.